Let us come now in prayer as we prepare to hear God's word today. Come, Holy Spirit, open our minds and hearts this day that we may be illumined by your living word and that we might walk together as children of the light. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And I invite Phyllis to come forward this morning to be our reader. The first scripture lesson is from the Old Testament, the book of Zephaniah, chapter 1, reading verses 7 and 12 to 18. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated his guests. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the people who rest complacently on their dregs. Those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do harm. Their wealth shall be plundered, and their houses laid waste. Though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The warrior cries aloud there. That day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I will bring such distress upon people that they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them. On the day of the Lord's wrath, in the fire of his passion, the whole earth shall be consumed. For a full, a terrible end he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. And reading from the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, Psalm 90, reading responsively, the um, words will appear on the screens. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, forever you had formed the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn us back to dust and say, Turn back, you mortals. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday, when it is past, or like a watch in the night. You sweep them away, they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, in the evening it fades and withers. For we are consumed by your anger, by your wrath we are overwhelmed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days pass away under your wrath. Our years come to an end like a sigh. The days of our life are seventy years, or perhaps eighty if we are strong. Even then their span is only toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger? Your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. 
So teach us to count our days that we may gain a wise heart. Turn, O Lord, how long? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love so that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad as many days as you have afflicted us and as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be manifest to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and prosper for us, the work of our hands. O prosper the work of our hands. In reading from the New Testament, Paul's letter, first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, reading verses 1 to 11. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them, as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. But you, beloved, are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation." For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other, as indeed you are doing. And from the Gospels, the book of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward saying, Master, you handed over the, the two talents to me. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. 
But his master replied, you wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents, for to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word to us. Friends in Christ, what I say to you this morning is proclaimed in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wow. There's just a little bit of sonic dissonance there, isn't there? It's kind of like walking through a low doorway or coming down the stairs and you forget that the, that the ceiling is a little lower than you think it is. And before you, 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 you realize it, whack, you're seeing stars and you're wondering what has just happened. It just goes to show sometimes that the liturgy of the church can be funnies. As for this worthless slave, throw him out into the utter darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of, thief, of, of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Really? Every year at this time of year, as the days grow shorter and darker and colder, we arrive at a selection of texts from each of the, of the respective Gospels that pull us up short. Matthew's not the only one who has a text like this, friends. They are texts that surprise us. They are texts that make us just a little bit uncomfortable and we kind of have to stop and go, whoa, just what happened here? And well, they should cause that reaction in us. Because you see, these texts that, are, that we reach at the end of the year, each year, the texts that we find at the end of each of the Gospels this morning, Matthew's Gospel, are texts that are leading us inexorably toward the crucifixion. These are texts that show forth to the reader the dissonance between the Pharisees and their understanding of faith and what Jesus was teaching about the kingdom of God and what it really looked like. And they are far apart. And the reading that Phyllis has just read for us is one of those readings. It's a series of parables concerning the kingdom of God that Jesus tells to all who would listen. There is the parable of the wise and the foolish maidens. There is the parable of the sheep and the goats. And sandwiched in between those two is this parable, the parable of the talents. And while our eyes are drawn to the end of the reading, those words of Jesus, that harsh judgment against the fearful servant, Perhaps we need to look just a little earlier in the text to truly grasp the message that we find in Scripture. Jesus accounts 
recounts for us in this short story how a man was preparing to go away on a journey. Clearly, there was no COVID where he lived. And he entrusted his entire estate to these three servants. The, to the first one, he gave five talents. To the second one, he gave two talents. And to the third one, he gave one talent. To each man was given a tremendous sum of money that they had to care for. And that's the thing that we miss. We don't know what a talent is. So we just kind of read along in the story. And then we get to the end and we go, oh my goodness. But we should go, oh my goodness. When we learn that the man is giving away talents of money. You see, a talent was the equivalent of 20 years wages for a common laborer during Jesus' time. So the servant who was given five talents was given oversight of a hundred years worth of wages. Even that last servant, the guy who only got one talent, we kind of think, wow, he didn't get very much. Only 20 years of wages is what he was given. It's it's kind of like, you know, have you ever engaged in this, this flight of fantasy? You walk past the convenience store and the little lighted sign in the corner of the window says, this week's jackpot is some unimaginable sum of money. Have you ever wondered what you might do with the $30,000 or whatever's in the window of the convenience store, the jackpot for this week's uh, lottery? Maybe I'd buy a car. Maybe houses for my kids. Maybe a little travel. And no doubt, no doubt we have also all heard the story of the couple who wins the jackpot, quits their job, and, with five, and within five years are back at work, the jackpot all gone and nothing to show for it. So, maybe it's not so hard for us to understand the fear of the third servant. The third servant knows the danger of investing, or investing poorly, that there is great reward if it's done right, but there's great danger when it goes wrong. But it's still ten talents. It's a tremendous sum of money. Like us walking past the convenience store and reading that jackpot sign and, and wondering, what if? The people who first heard this story of Je that Jesus told would have been staggered by the sums of money that were being given away to these men to take care of. Like us, they would have dreamt about just what sort of amazing amount of money that would look like. How many earthenware jars would it take to hold all of those coins? And they would have marveled at the trust that the master must have had in each of these three servants. That he would be so generous with them. 
that he would entrust them with so much. Like the master, the first hearers of the story would also have been disappointed with the third servant, that he had taken such generosity and hidden it away. This is a story about the kingdom of God and what it's going to be like. And it is a story about the fact that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of abundance. As Jesus looked toward the cross, he sought to give guidance to his disciples about how they were going to live their lives after he was gone. How they could continue to follow along in his footsteps. First, they had to recognize that God's kingdom of which Jesus had, had been speaking to them was a kingdom of abundance. And then they had to recognize how they could be servants of the kingdom. Growing in faith and service. Not being timid or fearful of their faith. But investing their lives for the sake of the gospel. Several years ago, as part of a session study, I had my session read this book. It's entitled, Why Church Matters. It's an interesting book. One, I think, that probably pushed my elders to think more deeply about church membership. Now, the author of this book encourages the reader to find a church where they really want to be involved, one that really speaks to their heart and moves them in faith. And once he has found that church, he says, go all in. Build relationships with other members of the congregations. Become involved in the study, Bible studies and the ministry life of the congregation. Do not be a pew sitter. The Christian faith is not a spectator sport. It is a life of active engagement. The author of the book even goes so far as suggesting that if you live more than kind of half an hour away from, from the church that you really love, he says, you need to move. Sell your house, move closer to your church because you cannot be involved in a church that you don't live close enough to that you can be there. I think for many people when they hear things like that applied to their faith, well, we kind of get a little silent, don't we? We become a little fearful. We become the third servant because there's that danger that maybe our faith demands too much because it does. Our Christian faith, once established in our hearts, cannot be easily hidden away. To be a Christian who is not active and engaged and involved, pouring yourself into your congregation, is like being a human being who decides they're not going to breathe anymore. There's no life left in it. Faith, once accepted, becomes a part of us that cannot be turned on and off, that cannot be selected. It becomes who we are as much as our next breath. 
But the reward is this, that those who live out their faith find that it grows and grows within them until it fills us with joy and peace in the Lord and overflows into our relationships and into the world. Time and again, these parables of the kingdom of God speak of such growth. Talent and mustard seeds, fig trees and vineyards, we must bear fruit. The fruit of the gospel. And in the end, each of us shall be welcomed into God's kingdom. And there we will fully recognize the immensity of God's love. So let us seek to serve the Lord in all that we do, that we may hear his encouragement. Well done, good and faithful servant. And may all glory, praise, and honor be his. Thanks be to God. Amen.